Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for and with ebay guaranteed fit your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. In-depth conversations, matchup breakdown, everything a Steelers fan can want. This is Fourth Down in the Steel City with Chris Mack and Josh Taylor. Great stuff with Jeremy Kahn, who is going to help us arrange in the offseason for perhaps an entire wire-themed, the wire-themed episode of Fourth Down in the Steel City, which I know, I know Josh would be a huge fan of. Uh, and I'm currently re-watching the show right now. Um, that, that's, oh. that's my re-watch right now is The Wire. I'm in the middle of the, the second season, the docs and all that. So oh, you're getting into um, the good stuff. Yeah. That's yeah. I, I, I'm, I don't want to get too far off topic, nope. but for true fans of the show, true fans of the show understand that season two is the thing that connects the whole the thing together. Yeah. It is the linchpin. It's three, three, five yeah. don't make sense without two. Like it's, it's a novel. The way it's written, it's a novel. You need yes. two to get through the rest of this one. And just, you got to sit through it because it's great. It, it is. It's, it's a fantastic show. So, yeah, it's exactly why it could be watched a million times, too. And the fact, the fact that the Orioles closer comes out to Omar I love is, that. is I love so, it. so badass. I mean, it's, it's the same as David Bettner coming out to Renegade, right? Like yes, a city, exactly. A city identifies with a certain something. Baltimore. Exactly sort of openly puts their arms around the dysfunctional culture that created the wire. And uh, we here in Pittsburgh, we, we put our arms around uh, cheesy classic rock. Um, classic it, rock. Yes, yeah. Exactly. It, <laughs> neither here nor there. Let's build the game plan. Now here on fourth down in the steel city, 
uh, where if it's fourth and short, uh, we always go shotgun. And in this case, we will argue against going shotgun, I'm sure, in those situations. Maybe we won't, but building the game plan brought to you by your business here. I'm not even going to limit it anymore to like home improvement and hardware and construction companies and contractors. I I don't care. You could be a nail salon for all I care. We're still going to build the game plan uh, and make it look pretty while we do it. Hopefully. I don't know. I have a hard time, Josh, imagining how the Steelers win this one unless it really does stay ugly. Unless Lamar looks like, I guess for lack of a better way to put it, Steelers Lamar. When he plays against the Steelers, he does not play well. Um, More often than not, he does not anyway. And I don't know how the transition from Greg Roman uh, to Todd Munkin affects Lamar against the Steelers specifically. To be quite honest, watching the way Lamar played against the Browns last Sunday has me worried that he is hitting his stride at just the right time in this Munkin offense, that he's starting to put a lot of it together. Again, I'll reference the 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 throw into the corner of the end zone to Mark Andrews against the Browns on Sunday, that when you catch the end zone view of it, I mean, it's just classic Lamar. It's and and that isn't what people think it is. It classic no, Lamar, not. classic Lamar is not, oh, he's got to bust the pocket and scramble. Classic Lamar is he can do that if he wants to, but instead he's going to use his arm to just flick a flick of the wrist because he's got a great arm, flick of the wrist on target in the corner of the end zone to a great red zone receiver in Andrews. And that's, that's what worries me the most about this thing is that they don't the Steelers after getting torched by CJ Stroud, having the game plan, the, the, the blueprint sort of laid by both the Texans and the Niners for how to combat TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith in the pass rush is one, two, three, get it out. The Ravens now have the receiving core, especially now that it's getting healthy again to do that. Um, I don't know if Lamar Jackson has ever been better equipped to beat the Steelers than he is coming in on Sunday. When the Ravens signed Odell Beckham, I said, okay, they needed a receiver. You get OBJ. That makes sense. Yeah. When the Ravens drafted Zay Flowers, oh boy, I was a little bit more worried because you and I have shared this joke how many times off air, just talking about Pitt. And I'm like, well, oh yeah, the thing that made Bill Dracova <laughs> great is we're number four for Baltimore because yes. at Boston College, 80% or more of the targets he was throwing out in BC's offense were going to Zay Flowers because Zay Flowers is that good. Mm-hmm. And now he's in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. And oh yeah. Just to make things even more poignant, they bring in the offensive coordinator from the school that I've been calling the Roman Reigns of college football the last two years. And, oh, yeah, that same guy is the one that was putting together the offense that Broderick Jones and Dornell Washington were playing in a year ago. That says something to me. And, like, I think the grand collection of it all makes it more daunting than just those individual things one at a time. You look at each of those instances, you say, okay, they might get a little bit better. But you put all three of those changes together with Lamar Jackson, and it looks a lot better. It makes me think Lamar could be more you know, re- reminiscent of Louisville Heisman season, Lamar. Yeah. When he was running Bobby Petrino's offense and putting up the numbers he was putting up. And I have to remind people of this. You can't be a quarterback in college running Bobby Petrino's offense and be thought of as just a running back. That makes absolutely no sense because you're not even stepping under center in the shotgun if you can't throw in Bobby Petrino's offense. And Lamar made it clear 
that he could throw that year he won the Heisman. And now he's stepping into an offense that's going to look closer to that and a lot further away than what Greg Roman used to do. And that yeah. should give you a lot of pause because part of me thinks that Steelers Lamar was a direct reflection of the offense they, they ran because it was so heavily dependent upon Lamar's ability to run first and then his ability to throw was kind of like second or third behind his ability to run and then whoever he was handing the ball off to. Now they're putting his ability to throw out there on, on front street and you're seeing it up close. And then they're saying, Oh yeah, by the way, he can run too. So now you become an even bigger problem if you're Lamar Jackson. That's what scares me about this whole thing. Yeah. And the, the other problem is not only are they starting to put it together on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, they look like classic Ravens and that's been without Marlon Humphrey. So right. they are top four in the league in yards per game, I believe. Let me just double check that number. Uh, they're third. Yeah, they are third in the league in yards per game allowed. Less than 261 yards a game. That's total 261 yards a game. Passing and defense, third points. Yeah, passing defense 168. So yeah, they're holding oh, opponents under 170 yards passing. Um, the reason I said the rush defense may be a, if you're looking for a soft spot, maybe that's a soft spot is because they are only seventh in the league in rush defense, <laughs> only 92 and a half yards a game. Um, I don't know. And to your point, third in the league in points per game as well, tied with the Niners, 14 and a half points a game. They're that should up. scare you. If I nothing else you with this offense, lot. And, that and, should bother you. And so here, here's, here's the problem before we try to build a way for the Steelers to combat all this. Here's my worry is that it all goes wrong on, mm. on Sunday because this team is not built to come from behind, which brings us to before we build the oh, Steelers boy. game plan, something Matt Canada said to the TV networks last week, right? He admitted to uh, in a production meeting, to Adam Archuleta and Spiro Dedis that he they they, they just they, they they're not built to come from behind. Now he went out of his way. I mean, he backpedaled like Mel Blunt in his prime at his meeting with the media on Thursday in trying to clarify what he was talking about. Greg Finley, intrepid producer, if you don't mind playing the clip. Do you feel like you have the personnel to come from behind when you get behind like 14, 16, nothing? I'm glad you asked that question because um, obviously Angela preps me on things. So that that is an you know, unbelievable misinterpretation of a conversation. So I'm going to take a real nice time here and explain what that was. Obviously, you guys all know because you know everything about how it works. Pre-game, we talk to those crews, talk about what's going to happen. We try to give them information. Uh, the conversation was why we ran more runs and play action against the Raiders versus the opening game. And why, you know, why was that? As you look at the stat sheet, did it look that way? As you guys all know, the start of that 49er game didn't go the way we planned. Really didn't do anything until we had the 95-yard two-minute drive. We're down 20-7. to seven. So you're down, you're down two scores. You come back. They score. We had a decent drive there moving a little bit. Deontay got hurt, as you recall, got down there, got stalled, got a stop, came back again. And the conversation was at that point, I think it was probably three minutes and 15 seconds ballpark when we got stopped at that point in the third quarter. At that point, we're down three scores with three minutes and 13 seconds to go in the third. Three scores. You're not going to stick to your running plan and the plan of running play action when you're down three scores. All we care about winning here is winning. 
So the conversation was at that point, the plan, you know, wasn't built to do that then. You had to go. Obviously, I believe we were going to win till the end. I kept throwing it to the point of, you know, we certainly, our lineman had to do, what, 46 dropbacks. Kenny had to do that. At no point was that conversation meant in that regard. I certainly believe he knew that. And obviously, he was taken wrong, if not. But of all the things we want to talk about and say, at no point do I doubt our players, doubt where we are, doubt we can come back. No doubts. I was literally saying any football person would tell you, you're down three scores with, what's that, 18 minutes to go. You got to start going faster. You got to start being in a two-minute mode. You have to score more points. That's how that came out, and um, certainly everybody in, you know on the offense is well aware of that. Matt, your substitution patterns with the back. All right, so like, Greg, you can numbers. kill it now, um, because it starts to go into a completely different question there. Um, but it, first and foremost, first and foremost, pardon me. Let's be clear, and, and we talked about this before we started the show today, Josh. There's nothing that Matt Canada said either in that production meeting or or in that clip right there that isn't true. Like, they're not built to come from behind. No. How many offenses are necessarily built to come from down three touchdowns in 18 minutes, as he's saying in in the San Francisco game. Right. One of them has a guy named Mahomes. Right. And eh, what? Yeah, that's the only one. The other one one has a guy named Allen. Yeah. Okay. There That's we it. go. We we can we can those agree. It's probably those just those two. Yeah. So I don't fault him for being honest. I guess in a production meeting and now was he a little too honest? Probably. Um, I don't fault him for saying for for having that belief in his offense or lack of belief. I guess I should say. The only problem I have really with what Matt Canada said between the production meeting before Sunday's game or in this meeting with the media is that he's telling you, I'm not running play action once we get down. Now, is there a certain point where he's down double digits, where he's down more than two touchdowns, where it's got to be 20, whatever the deficit is, where he says, okay, throw out all the play action passes. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that part of his assessment because – We've talked before. You don't have to be running the ball effectively to run play action effectively. Now, I do understand the concept of play action is they've got to believe the run is a possibility in order to bite on it. I just don't, I don't like giving up on play action and giving up totally on the run game at that point that he's talking about in the San Francisco game where he says, I'm down three touchdowns with 18 minutes left. I don't totally give up on it. I don't. Maybe that's foolish of me, and my game plan would not be built properly in that case, or my attempt to come back would not be built properly. But I'm still going to keep the opposition honest as long as the clock gives me time to run occasionally, understanding i got to move quickly and put points on the board. I'm still going to do that. And so I'm still going to try to keep that as a possibility. Look, all we're doing here is mincing words, I guess, over what Matt Canada had to say. Um, The greater point here is that they aren't built to come from behind. No, they're not. And and that, that I don't think Matt Canada had to tell Adam Archuleta and Spiro Dedis the fact that they're not built to come from behind for everyone in the NFL to know that they're not built to come from behind. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The biggest problem with both the initial discussion and then the defense of the discussion is that we assume, and, and this is not this is not just a Pittsburgh thing, it's not just a media thing. This is a general human discourse thing. We we trap ourselves into the habit that every discussion, everything we talk about is particularly binary, where it is strictly all this or strictly all that. Mm-hmm. And that's not true. And I, I agree with you from the standpoint of you don't want to abandon certain things. Like you don't necessarily want to abandon a run. You don't want to necessarily abandon play action. But you like also I, like I may still I may still right. run the occasional first down draw play right. even when I'm down 21 just to keep the defense honest. But it's also going to be within context. It's going to come within a certain down to distance. It's going to come at a certain point on the field. It's going to come at a certain particular juncture where you know, okay, this is a viable option here that makes sense. You're not going to run on second and 14 from your own 30 Correct. with two minutes left in the third because you think you need to run there. That's not the right down to distance. It's not the right context. It doesn't make sense there. So when you add it all up within reason, and that's something that you have to kind of you know, asterisk it and put it in the footnote and say within reason, within reason, what he's saying makes sense. The problem is we are so heavily, you know, programmed to just make it a, it's either this or it's not, or we like to take it as, oh, well, why is he saying this? And there are sometimes, and this is just not Matt Canada. This is other coaches. This is other teams. This is other markets where a coach will say something in context. That's actually true. And at that point, we are so far gone that we're just taking it. We're just refuting it out of knee-jerk reaction. Like, we don't know anything else other than to refute the guy. We right. even saw that the last couple of years of Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle can say anything. And it's just like, no, that's not true. And then, wait a minute, you're like, oh, no, wait, that is kind of true. Because we're just so programmed. Conditioned, yeah. Conditioned to just immediately try to refute it. Yeah. And there wasn't much, maybe a few things, like I said, within reason that could be refuted. The rest of it's true. And I've been through some of those situations where even recently, I'll, I'll tell this story recently, did a couple high school games uh, the, the past few weeks where we talked to coaches before games. And there was a coach in particular that was talking about some elements of his offense that he were like, man, this is so bad. He's like, man, we're so bad at this one thing. But I'm not going to mention that in the broadcast. Yeah. I understood what he meant in a general sense. He's talking about, hey, if we have to do this particular thing in this moment, it's not going to work. If we're going to do this, we got to do this at this particular time. Otherwise, we're going to be in bad shape because we're not built to be able to do that with this particular personnel. I really think that's what that was the whole, the whole crux of that was. But when you take it out of context and you drop it into a binary setting, it's going to sound way worse than what it is. It's also a little bit of a sellout move by Archuleta. Was it Archuleta or Dennis? I can't remember who it, mentioned it. Might it might have been the conju- like the combination of the two. And yeah, and yeah I I kind of look at the broadcaster on that, and I'm going, okay, you're you, not supposed to put it that way. You're not supposed to put it that way. Plus, there there is a certain trust that you build there with coaches sharing you information, right? And you might have made that harder for coaches to trust you down the road. I, I, I oh, saw sure. a really big problem with that. 
because they're all they had to just, say. All they had to say, Josh, was, "Hey, the Steelers are not built to come from behind." Right, and and, and that would have been that, and everybody no would have agreed with it. it. Right, no one would have argued because they see the personnel. They know they don't have their best route runner. Everyone sees it, and everyone who's watched this team enough times to know knows that it, it just there, there's a line you walk with information that you get and how well you disseminate it. And I'll, I'll come back to this. It, these coaches don't have to give you information. How much should we talk about this? They don't owe us this stuff. They don't have to give it to us. They can give us the smallest, most, you know, basic, I'll give you this so you go away information, and it can be totally different from what you see. Right. And honestly, they'd be well within their right because they're giving you information that they don't really want to share. Coaches are very guarded with stuff because they don't want to think that they're giving someone else an edge. Granted, yes, it's incredibly paranoid, but that's how they operate. <laughs> But when you're given the opportunity to get that information and it's passed along to you in a confidential and more of an off-the-record setting, you got to be more responsible with how you handle the information and how you disseminate it. And I think there was a bit of a bit of a, a fumbling of that situation there. All of this is not to say that Matt Canada, again, was wrong. He's not wrong. And no, he's right. as, he's as we, the truth. As we look at maybe ways, too much truth. Yeah. As we look at avenues for the Steelers to win this game. It's why, like I said to Jeremy Kahn earlier, they can't, they, they have to lean on the run game to somehow control, suck the life out of this game, literally drag it down into the mud, hope that they can put together a drive finally, because they've really only put together one drive all season uh, that ended in a touchdown anyway. Put together a drive or two that end, at least one of them has to end in a touchdown and just get this game to halftime up three or tied 10, 10, seven, get, get it to halftime at 10, seven, or hell I'll even take seven, three, right. Or seven, seven. Don't let Baltimore get a touchdown lead or more because at that point, this thing is going to start to get away from them. And again, that's why if I'm Matt Canada building the game plan for this weekend in particular, I am leaning on the run game. I am doing all of the little traps and counters mm -hmm. inside that we saw work against Houston. That's where this run game is going this week for me. I'm going to pull my guards. I'm going to get I'm going I'm going to do everything I can to funnel things into the inside lanes and try to because as much as we want to avoid the inside linebackers, I'm also not asking my offensive line in this case to do any kind of zone blocking on the outside because they've shown they can't do it unfortunately I'm gonna have to get tricky with the run game and it's gonna be trap city and it's gonna be counter city and it's gonna be Najee you're gonna have to gain three you know two three yards and then pray to God you can break some Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen tackles there's two things I need to say to this and the first mm -hmm. one is that I agree with everything you just said wholeheartedly because that's the only way in my opinion that they win this game mm -hmm. it just so happens that's how they're built to be anyway that's it's supposed to be part. right it's supposed to that's be that's the crazy part that's how they're built to be and I'm, I'm gonna come back to this again like i did post game after the houston game and like we did in our post game show this is what they told us they wanted to become as a team this was the type of identity they wanted to have now, here's the weird part. They weren't playing the guys that were supposed to be part of this identity they were building in the first four games of the season. Now they're forced to. Now they're forced 
to play Darnell Washington because Pat Fryermuth is out. Now they're forced to play Broderick Jones because Dan Moore is out. Now they have to go that route. And it seems like they're forced to do that with Keanu Benton because of the situation there. And I think Mike Tomlin realizes, hey, we got to give this kid more snaps because he's right. actually playing in bed near the guys up front. So I say all that to say I have to agree with this because that's what you say you want to do. So now you're almost forced into the position to do what you say you're going to do. Here's the fun part that I think people who like to criticize Mike Tomlin, you're missing out on a prime opportunity to lay your biggest criticism of him out there. He told you what he wanted to do, and he's not doing what right. he told you what he wanted to do. And you're everybody's swinging and missing on that part. Yeah, letting it now, slide. Now you're forced to actually be this. And if it doesn't happen, now you got it teed up for you. Now you yeah. got the teed up thing of, hey, you said you wanted to be this team, and now you're not this team. Why? That's the first thing I'm going to say. The second thing I'm going to say is, Chris, you said a lot of stuff that sounds a lot like what I said that they needed to do and avoid before they played San Francisco. Remember when I told you if this team gets down by a couple possessions against San Francisco, I'm very, very terrified for Kenny Pickett because it's going to be a long afternoon. And what exactly happened? They got down by three scores and it became a long afternoon. So I say all that to say this. Should you really be shocked at what Matt Canada said when we told you it was coming? No, you shouldn't be. And you should not be surprised at the thought of this becoming a distinct possibility. Not only from the offensive side of things, before the defense as well. Why? Because we just saw it again against Houston. This defense played 41 snaps in the first half against Houston because the offense couldn't do anything and they couldn't generate anything on their side of the ball. You are looking at that again now, if your offense can do this. And we just talked about how different this Baltimore offense is with Lamar Jackson being able to throw it in short yardage with Zay Flowers, being able to go down the field, having Odell Beckham Jr. healthy, and possibly having a healthy offensive line, and now we know what teams can do to try to offset this, this pair of edge rushers, you better figure it out on offense. You better be able to control the ball. You better be able to control the clock. And even if you don't score, you better be able to get drives that sustain yardage and keep the drive alive. Because if you don't and you give this team more time and more opportunities, they're going to wear your defense down. And in a game like this, which is historically physical and bodies get carted off, mm -hmm. usually in multiples, probably in the half dozens or so, if not more, this is the game where you cannot do what you did against Camp San Francisco and you cannot do what you did against Houston. The, thing that, the thing that worries me about the other side of the ball, Josh, that you started to lay out um, is yards after the catch have been really important. And we've seen the Steelers tackling in the secondary be atrocious. Ooh. And Zay Flowers, 114 of his 200, no, 115 of his 244 receiving yards, so more than half after the catch. He's top 20 in the league in that regard. It's just shy of what George Pickens has done after the catch. And we know how, um, how combustible he is after the catch, how he can take a ball, turn it upfield, and go. We've seen him do it. Um, it is it's, – it's not quite Nico Collins-esque, who now no. leads the league in yards after the catch, thanks to his performance this past Sunday. Um, but it is something to worry about with Patrick Peterson and Levi Wallace already being porous in coverage. You add in that second layer of, well, the tackling ain't great either – 
all it takes is one missed tackle. Zay Flowers is going to turn six or seven yards into 20. Zay Flowers is going to turn 12, 13, 14 yards on a deeper route into 30 or 40, or even worse, a score. Um, it, it's and why it, he it, could it, break tackles to get there. Mike Tom was right. talking about how tough he is and how he's not intimidating. He doesn't mind someone coming trying to knock his head off. He will take that hit and try to break that tackle. And now you've got that working on the outside in tandem with, again, I know he hasn't done it in the past, but this is Todd Munkin's offense, not Greg Roman's mm -hmm. offense. Mark Andrews working on the inside. And you and, saw what he did with Brock Bowers at Georgia. Yeah. So imagine. had so many passes in Georgia? Because he had Brock Bowers, folks. <laughs> right. That's why. And what, what does, if you took Brock Bowers out of a Georgia Bulldogs uniform and put him in purple and black, he guess might what? might look a lot like Mark Andrews. It might look a whole hell of a lot like Mark Andrews. I, so, I totally agree. Now, I'll add one more point to this because I think mm -hmm. it's really important. And I, I think the Steelers' defense has been a really good measuring stick or guinea pig to kind of, you know, exemplify this. Brooke Pryor wrote a really good piece about how the league – is not really a chuck it down the field kind of no. league anymore. It yeah. is more short yardage, catch passes in space, yards after the catch. But here's the thing. This isn't that surprising. Because let's talk about one, one, one or two particular different points in history. One was right around late 70s, early 80s. There was an offense that really rose to prominence that became really popular because its whole hook was, hey, you can control the ball with the passing game as much as the run game by throwing it in short distances, timing it well, getting getting receivers in space and allowing them to get extra yardage. So at the very least, you're still moving the ball. But at the best case scenario, you might break a tackle and get bigger yardage. That offense was called the West Coast offense. It was one of the bigger influences for another offense that became bigger later on down the line that also specified with, hey, an emphasis on throwing to, to wide open receivers an emphasis on catching the ball in space and getting the most and getting upfield and getting yardage and also doing it in a very short amount of time. And that offense was called the air raid. And a lot of what you see with modern offenses now, they are taking pieces from both mm -hmm. offenses and incorporating it and sprinkling a little bit of BYU with Lavelle Edwards, which, by the way, the preeminent coach in the league also played in GA for that guy in Andy Reid. So there's that. But that's what the league, as far as offenses in a passing game, has really started to lean on and you're seeing the benefits of it. And this defense is being really, really leveraged ravaged, on it. And it can happen again and, again. and get, and what did Lamar play in at Louisville? Well, he played in Bobby Petrino's offense, but it wasn't too different as far as taking advantage of getting the ball in space and short yardage to turn it into big gains. It was also a lot of that influence too, with Bobby Petrino's. Exactly. So, so he changes can, there. He can do it. Yes, and exactly. I, would, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if how if that's how they build their game plan, the Ravens, for Sunday. All of this is to say, I'm worried, friends. <laughs> I feel like Kermit the Frog meme. I'm biting my nails. I'm I'm very very concerned about Sunday afternoon, regardless of whether it's Kenny Pickett or mm -hmm. Mitch Trubisky. I'm more worried if it's Pickett because I worry that much like when he played a game. Oh, and and who made the point of pointing this out? Um, and I, I cited it. Oh, Amanda Godsey, who covers uh, both has covered the pit, has covered Pitt in the past, and covers the Steelers now. Um, she tweeted this uh, Wednesday afternoon. Reading that Kenny Pickett is in a knee brace reminds me of when Pat Narduzzi had him wearing one on his plant leg during practice and games as a precautionary measure. Pickett didn't uh -oh. wear one for a game against Georgia Tech in 2018, 
and had his plant leg bent backwards. Uh One thing that I still need to see the rest of the season, whether the Steelers win every game or lose every game from here on out, Josh, is I need to see Pickett play when healthy so that we get an idea of whether this development has already hit its ceiling or there's a little more room to grow, Canada, the OC, or not. If Pickett is hurt to the extent he's going to miss multiple weeks and then still be less than 100% when he gets back, we're not going to have any further idea of whether the last eight, nine weeks in 2022 were an anomaly or the start of something. And so I don't want... I'll stand by it. I don't want Kenny Pickett playing this weekend, and I don't want him playing again until he's really ready and able to because, A, it affects him mentally, not being 100%, and already rushing through his progressions and his reads, but then physically the potential exists for him to be affected as well. So he's probably going to play. It's probably not going to go well. And the Steelers are going to be a mess going into the bye week. But we'll save <laughs> predictions for our hot sheet episode, our pick'em episode, which will be coming out tomorrow. Or maybe has already come out, depending on how you get it. We appreciate you getting fourth down in the Steel City, whether you're watching the video here on 93.7 The Fan's YouTube page or listening inside whatever app you get your podcasts via Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, of course iTunes, and your free Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y. We appreciate you hanging with us to build the game plan and to hear from Jeremy Kahn of 105.7 The Fan and the Big Bad Morning Show in Baltimore. For Josh Taylor and our intrepid producer, Greg Finley, be sure to catch the Pick'em episode this weekend. And we will be back with a post-game episode after Steelers and Ravens and to get you ready for the bye week, whatever may be coming barreling straight at us after this Ravens game on the next edition of 4th Down in the Steel City. 